The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. 2.30 on this uh, cloudy, rainy Tuesday afternoon. Hope you're having a, a great day. I know I am. Got that off your chest. We're good to go. I feel fabulous. That was. We're good to go. Thank you, Chadville. Thank you for listening. That uh, that vent felt good. I feel really good. And, and you know, should I hear from Brian Anderson's office uh, during the course of this show? I'm checking my email routinely. If they come up with a solution, I'll certainly let you know. <laughs> Can I go just? Never mind. Can I go buy a tree? No, I asked. No, all right. When I lived over there. Hmm. Um, my my little sidewalk going up to the steps sunk on one side quite badly. <laughs> okay. Well, it's built on sand, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and before I sold the place, I wanted to have it lifted because it was actually a dramatic drop. It was probably about six or seven inches that it, that it had dropped down on the one side. So I, I hired a guy who's called into the show a couple of times. <laughs> Don't use my name. Um, to come and fix it, which was fantastic. But it went all the way out to the sidewalk and then, and I can remember there being um, a challenge there about don't do anything to the side because that's not yours. Right. That's yeah. not yours. <laughs> and and, and it, it just turned into challenges. Yeah. Challenges. It's, for like, the average person, like, it's hard to understand. You it's hard to wrap your head around it like, because sorry i was just gonna say like when the concrete pad was poured by the developer in the backyard and was approved by someone way back when yeah when they looked at it but when i went to sell my house which had been bought and sold once before it was one inch too close to the property line so how, <laughs> how does that get get approved and and get through all of those stages and and the process of another sale mm. with no one noticing it until it's time to turn around and and do it so since we're on this oh man and and this was not a big issue but in hindsight, now I sort of see. Now, having the, said that, can yes, I just pause sure, the one absolutely. guy that I ended up dealing with in the whatever uh, office there? I think his name was Flynn mm-hmm. or something like that. He was spectacular. Was he? That's at the city. But I had to go right down there, <laughs> and I was pretty much in tears. I I one day left my house and noticed that there was this piece of paper stuck to the front door. <laughs> And it's been years since people were sticking paper to the front door of my house. I've, I've been paying my mortgage. So I look, and it was a city of Edmonton inspector. And I should call him because my deck did not meet the requirements of the city, which I thought was weird. He was talking about my back deck, mm-hmm. not visible from the front. So, and, and that doesn't mean it doesn't have to meet code. I just found it curious that an inspector somehow tripped across my deck. So not literally, but figuratively. So I phoned. And he said, yeah, you need a railing on that deck, right? And I'd owned the house at that point for just a couple of years. And I said, oh, well, when I bought the house, it passed an inspection. Mm-hmm. And the deck was there. He goes, yeah, I don't know how that happened, you know, but uh, no, you need a railing. And I said, okay. So I did nothing. Because I thought, and I didn't even know it takes 13 crews in three years to plant the tree. But had I known that, I would have, of course thought, well, how long is it going to take for this guy to get back to me about my deck railing, right? Well, it didn't take long. It took about two weeks, and he phoned in the neighborhood, Have I? because if I've done the railing, he can now come and inspect it and pass it for me. Well, I hadn't done the railing, so I, I 
said, well, listen, I didn't know you were serious. Oh, I'm serious. This guy's serious. So, okay, so I went down to, like, wherever, Revelstoke, whatever. I'm just... Well, first I phoned contractors trying to find out how much... Yeah, good luck on that. Yeah, people were quoting me for next summer and thousands mm-hmm, of dollars mm-hmm. to put this railing on. I didn't have the money. I just bought a house. So... I, I went to one of those home supply stores, and I bought a kit for for building a railing. And they're basically plastic over metal that you fit together, you cut to the size you need. And I spent the weekend putting a railing, which will protect no one from anything. I literally, we keep we had to tell the kids for ten years not not to lean on it <laughs> because it, you know. So he then phoned and asked if same guy if he could come inspect my deck. And I was sure. So he came into the backyard, very friendly fellow, nice guy, inspected the deck and told me two things. Number one, it was not solid enough, which I knew. I'm not much of a handyman. And number two, that because the deck itself was a certain height and because the width of the stairs on the deck was a certain width, that it would actually also need a railing in the middle of the stairs, which that's like, that was just Rubik's Cube to me. Like, just, I don't know how you build. I'm not a handyman. I don't know how you put a freestanding railing in the middle. Anyway, so I was like, oh, okay. You know, I'll do that. And he goes, plus, and he came up with two or three other points. There was a couple of <clears throat> boards that he felt were a little loose or something, and you should tighten those up. Oh, okay. And then he said, no, listen, I don't want to have to come back out here again. He goes, so if you promise me <laughs> that you'll do those things, I'll give you a pass. Mm which I sh- probably shouldn't be saying this because of the information I'm about to tell you. So I, I agreed, of course. So he gave me a pass, which I don't know what you do with that. But Hold on to it. I guess. It's in a file somewhere downstairs in a box, I'm sure. Um, but then I got talking to him because now we were just friends. We are spending so much time together. And I asked him, number one, how'd you find out about my deck, first of all? And he's like, ah, it would have been a complaint from a neighbor. Okay, weird that I have a neighbor that would complain about somebody else's deck. He's never on my deck. And then number two, I'm like, uh, so you guys must not be busy. He goes, oh, we're really busy. Now, this goes back quite mm-hmm. a few years. I said, well, how busy could you be if you're spending three or four visits on my deck, a railing, right? He goes, well, there's only two inspectors in the whole city. Now, that's what he told me at the time. Now, that could be different mm-hmm. now. So you're telling me that you've got 13 crews to plant a tree. Yeah. And you have two inspectors to look at buildings? I told you this not too long ago, the air conditioning. We installed the central air in our house two years, three ago, years ago. The inspector just showed up. <laughs> no way. Yeah, earlier this summer. <laughs> and then took great interest in the hot tub. Of course. Doesn't something seem wrong about that? Mm. Haas says the real problem is the unrealistic expectations we put on the civil service. <laughs> well, yeah, that's unreal expectations, all right. I, did, I, I didn't identify a problem with the tree, nor did I ask them to pull down the tree. I didn't request anything. They just came and took my tree and everybody else's tree. Well, they had to take down the tree because they yeah. identified a problem with it, and you don't want to affect anybody else. But let me ask you this. Instead of a tree, and then we'll move on. Instead of a tree... Let's say that a road flooded. Okay, so now there's a foot of water on the road. And and it's spreading over the curb, and it's going into the boulevard, mm-hmm. and it's going into people's basements. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the cause of the flood is actually one guy's pipe in his basement. Mm-hmm. But that pipe doesn't exist on property owned by the city. So if they used the same logic with the flood, what they would do is come clean up the flood, clean up the city property and then leave, and then it would flood again. 
because they didn't actually get to the root cause of the problem. And my contention is, I think those trees got infected by somebody's tree, but it's a 50-50 at best that it was a city tree that was the first one. You're telling me that that was ground zero was a city tree. Probably not. So there's probably going to be a whole bunch of infected trees once again after they get all these trees up. There's because not a they, whole lot of backyard trees in that neighborhood. Most of the trees are on the boulevards. Every other tree in my street has a tree in front that's on their property. But is Every it other. that specific kind of tree that would have um, potential to be infected by those bugs? Because mm. not all trees are infected that by the bugs. That I couldn't tell you, yeah. but I can tell you, do you remember a couple of summers ago, you and I were doing this little show together, and I was trying to find an arborist. Now, the reason I was trying to find an arborist is because the tree in front of our lawn was massive, and it was starting to impede our view, and uh-huh. it was touching windows, that kind of thing. And I didn't know... I didn't want to start cutting down limbs without knowing what I was doing. So I got an arborist in. Good people, too. He told me, your tree's infected. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, he actually said, I'll charge you the same price just to haul the tree out of here. And my wife was like, no. Like, it had green leaves. It Mm -hmm. looked healthy. And he was like, it looks healthy, but it's not healthy. So it needs to go. And, and I said, well, can you can it be treated or whatever? He goes, you can treat it. But the problem is the city is going to put new trees along here. And he pointed at that point to the trees that had not yet been removed. He goes, those trees are the ones that are infected. So they're going to reinfect a new tree or they're going to counterbalance whatever chemicals you put on your tree. And I said, okay, so if I pull my tree down and then the city puts up new trees, what stops them from getting infected? He was like, no, it's a cycle. Like, they'll just continue infecting each other. So if you think that the city can't communicate with each other, (laughs) which we know to be true, then definitely it's not much of an assumption, not much of a leap to say they can't communicate with homeowners either. So they're... Well, yeah. (laughs) Among all those homeowners in that just Mm -hmm. one community of Edmonton, I'll bet you there's at least one tree that's infected. And if there's one tree that's infected, they're all going to be infected. So really... Aside from the 13 Well, then I guess crews, they need to come in and cut down all the trees. They do. They need to come in and work with the homeowners. Well, I think that they've probably talked to somebody. Yeah. Well, hopefully they've communicated with somebody. I don't assume anything find, well, anymore. what is the best, uh, right. the best way to do it. I, I feel like... I mean, somebody texted and... Listen, this sort of sums it up for me. Did you hear the joke about the city construction crew that showed up to the site and forgot their shovels? They called their boss. He said, I'll be there in 15. In the meantime, just lean on each other. That also sums up how I see the city working. And again, I say it every time that I don't blame the city workers themselves. If I had a job that entailed nothing but walking around saying, well, there's no no parking signs, I'd probably take the money too. But somebody who runs these things has got to make this stop because we're pouring money down a hole and getting no return for it. And while we do that, our property taxes are going up and we're not solving homelessness and we're not building new rec centers and there's a lot going on you can't tell me that there's an explanation that would satisfy me you or any of our listeners that would explain away and make sense of 13 crews to plant a tree it's it's simply not possible so solve it that's what i want solve it Lots of calls coming in this afternoon. Oh Challenges uh, dealing with the city. Maybe it's a tree. Maybe it's landscape. I'd love to hear yours for maybe sure. Maybe it's a road. Hi, Bert. Hi there. I got a small little story. Sure. Okay. Um, we were landscaping around a church, and we needed the city to come and do their inspection. And uh, when he wrote up his report, he he writes 
to the left of the doors and to the right of the doors. And there's two sets of doors. Yeah. And I says, well, don't you guys use north and south? He says, no, that's too confusing. <laughs> but any landscaper in any surveyor, that's how things are done. Yeah. North and south. And they says, no, that's too confusing. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't put a big X on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's my little... That's funny. Opinion. Thanks, Bert, yeah. for the phone call. Lynn's on the phone. Hey, Lynn, you used to work for the city? Yeah, hi, guys. How you, how you doing? I listen to you guys, and I love and laugh at you every day. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you for that. Yeah, I worked for the city uh, the year of the tornado there in 87, and I was on part-time for the summer, and... Uh, you know, I worked out in the northeast end, and every day you got your assignments. I think I think our shifts were from quarter to eight till quarter to five, and we had an hour lunch in there. And um, if if we were doing something like uh, uh, pothole filling or crack repair, um, guys got paid different amounts to do different jobs on the cruise. So if you're if you're pouring in the tar, you're handling a hot substance, and you'd get paid sixty cents an hour more than the guy who was raking. So the guy with the hot tar, he couldn't handle the rakes because they're two totally separate jobs, right? So that's why lots of times you go, you drive by a job and three guys are working, four guys aren't because each job is separate and lots of times the pay is different according to what you're doing for that time. Now, uh, so before the tornado hit that year, we were working out uh, cleaning bushes and things along uh, along the ditches, right? Uh, branches that might be hanging around uh, uh, wires and stuff like that. So we'd, we'd show up to the office, and uh, we'd, get our, uh, we'd get our superintendent or foreman for the day, and of course he would be wearing a white hat. We'd all be wearing different color yellow hats. And then we'd have to go around the yard and pick up all the equipment once our job started. So let's say we started at quarter to eight. We'd go around, we'd sign out all of our equipment, because all the equipment had to be accounted for. So we'd go to five different shacks picking up, I don't know, chains, saws, axes, and signing all this equipment out. Then we'd start heading out to the job site. And, of course, you'd stop at the local Husky or Max or whatever to pick up coffees and everything like that. And then you'd finally get out to the job site. And then you'd have to inspect all the equipment and everything like that. By the time we got started, it was pretty well coffee break. <laughs> so then, we'd, then we'd take a coffee break and we'd, you know, hang around for 10, 15 minutes, just not really doing much. So then we'd come back, we'd do a little bit of work, and then it would be about half an hour before lunch. And we shut it down because we had to drive back in to the uh, to the to the Edmonton yard for lunch, and then we'd start the whole process again in the <laughs> afternoon. And you know what? In an eight-hour workday, I bet you we maybe did two and a half to three hours work. Wow! And and that went that went on every day. And at the end of the summer, I had a chance to to stay on because they'd hired me on part time for the summer, and I said no, thank you. I just I just I just morally couldn't do it. And I'd come I just come from a job where we had owned our own business where we fought with banks we worked hard hours we you know we did everything to try to survive and then i went into this situation where you try to do everything to not work and uh yeah it was it was bizarre it was a head shaker i tell you see and you know what just i i didn't mention this earlier but since you bring it up so the crew the crew that couldn't plant the tree because the no parking signs weren't there right they stood for an hour outside my house talking that's what actually woke me up right Yep. Oh, yeah, it happens all the time. And, and that's why so many times you drive by these crews and there's so many people talking because it's not their job to take a shovel full exactly. of, of hot gravel and put it into the hole where the hot tar has been poured. 
That's, right. They're all separate jobs, and you do your own job and only your job. Otherwise, your supervisor will give you heck. Yeah, you and get in he sits around all day long writing up reports and writing up requisitions and writing up, and they, they're sitting in the truck and just, just overseeing the jobs. And here's the thing. I wanted to defend them, believe it or not. Yeah. Because I asked them, well, what have you been doing for the last hour? And I, I didn't bring this up when I told the story originally. I go, what, what have you been doing for the last hour? Like, why right. don't you pl- go plant trees somewhere, right? Uh-huh. They said they couldn't because the next job on the list was a street where the no parking signs only went up 23 hours ago. So they need to wait the extra hour for 24 hours to have elapsed so that they can now go to the next neighborhood. So basically, they can't work if they follow the rules. Well, that's, that's exactly it. And... Uh and the city is so busy dotting I's and crossing T's that they don't have time to work. Huh. Lynn? It's, it's, it's mind-boggling, but uh, that's the way it works. So, Interesting uh, stuff. Yeah. And yeah. you'd hope that things had changed over the past 30 yeah. years, but maybe not. Lynn, thanks for the phone call. Hey, Glenn, you have the same problems in Red Deer? Hey, Glenn. Okay, hi, Betty. Hi. What's on your mind? You've got troubles with the city. We have troubles with the post office. A week ago today, uh, we our mail is in the banks. Uh, they were broken into. Um, I just phoned the post office to try to find out where is my mail. They wouldn't tell me, but they did tell me the boxes will be fixed a week today. So that you're talking so about they, the big super boxes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it would be two weeks with no mail delivery. Hmm. And in the meantime, they can't provide whatever mail has arrived? Uh, they wouldn't tell me where it was. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, Betty. Yeah, there was a couple of super boxes out uh, in our neck of the woods that were broken into a couple of weeks back. It didn't take two weeks to get them fixed, though. They were fixed in a couple of days. Hmm. I know that's normal, but they said for some unknown reason... They couldn't tell me, and then they sent me an email, uh, estimated repair date, the 18th of July. Wow, Betty. Hmm. Wow, thanks and for the phone call. Hey, Rob, we have about 90 seconds left. Yeah, just uh, going by the last one of the last callers there, I worked for Parks and Rec in the city in 1982, and it hasn't changed. Uh, we uh, went for coffee, and it took a half an hour to get there, 15 minutes for coffee, and a half an hour back. And I was the young guy on the crew. I had every qualification, license, and everything. I couldn't even drive a lawnmower or a pickup because he wouldn't let me. Because that wasn't your job description? No, because I didn't have what's called the city license. You have to have a couple of days training on every vehicle. So even though I had a class one driver's license, I couldn't even drive a pickup truck. (laughs) And I'm guessing um, possibly because of the union, different things. No, you you have certain responsibilities. And if you take that responsibility from someone else, that's not allowed whatsoever. Well, one of the weirdest things that happened is when they had a Friday off, some of them had a long weekend off, and I had to work that Friday. Uh, um, one of them ran a tractor. If he was off that day, I had to use a wheelbarrow. I couldn't use the tractor even though it was sitting right there. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, like that. Rob, thanks for weighing in on uh, on this one today. Appreciate everyone's texts and phone calls today. It sounds like we've all had some sort of uh, run-in or know somebody who has. And, you know, a lot of people saying, okay, well, what would you do? What would you do? Well, you know what to start with? I think they need a, a complete 
communications overhaul. Mm -hmm. They need to take a close look at how information is being exchanged between departments, how it is, when it is, what sort, and probably put some some rules or better rules in place um, about timelines Mm -hmm. and expectations. I suspect that union plays into this, though, that they would have a hard time fighting the various unions asking them not to travel a half hour back to the you know the warehouse to have their lunch or whatever i I would imagine union plays Mm -hmm. big into this and i'm not a union supporter nor am i you know a union detractor i when unions unions protect employees and when they do that it's great when they don't uh we get 13 crews planting a tree the 630 chad afternoon news with jaylen nye and andrew gross weekdays at two on 630 chad